Thank you, Kay. Good morning. Our announcements for this morning. Uh, the rose on the altar today is in honor of Lee and Gloria Schreyer's 59 years of marriage, Wednesday, May 24th. Wedding here in the church yesterday, so congratulations to Josh Darnell and Amanda Cook on their marriage. Um, it's always nice to get announced when your own daughter has her first grandbaby or granddaughter. So uh, that was a big addition to our family this this week on Tuesday, and everybody's home doing great. Today is the choir's last day until fall. We have to thank them for all their hard work throughout the year. The senior high youth today are hosting a baked potato bar following church. Uh, you can eat it here or take it home. All donations support their trip to the Youth Life Young Life Camp in June. If you haven't noticed this morning, the blue jug is back on the steps. Um, this is a is a uh, need that has come up. Um, I am the representative for First Church to the Agape Ministry in St. Mary's. And every summer for the last 11, Agape has done a meal uh, bag, a bag of food meal for all the children in St. Mary's New Bremen Minster schools that are on the or qualify for the reduced or free lunch program through school. And uh, they're doing that again this year. And I've got somewhat involved in the program uh, for our church and helped coordinate the National Honor Society this week to go over and help fill the bags. Uh, there are up to a thousand children in those areas that are uh, eligible for this deal. And what they do is they fill these bags uh, with one month's worth of food for a breakfast and a lunch. Uh, it gets to be quite a burdensome program for Agape, but it always seems to work out and it seems to, to make it a go of it. Um, so I was thankful this week. I attended the consistory meeting and, and the consistory voted to help make a donation. Uh, to that program, and then they've also allowed us to put the blue jug out for anyone that would like to also make an additional donation on their own. Part of this is uh, part of our mission programs here at church, and one of the benevolent funds that we've always supported with an offering once a year to Agape, and this is an, an sort of addition to that. Another thing that's going to happen, and we're real hopeful for extra help, is that uh, they did about a thousand bags up to start with for the first round. Once a month, the next thousand bags have to be filled, and I'm hoping and praying that that when we get a date set up, that I can get as many volunteers from this congregation as what the National Honor Society had uh, from our youth. So we're looking at uh, an evening, some week, when we get the date set up, we'll make sure we get the word out. But we're looking for an evening of two or three hours, and we can go over with 15 or 20 people, and we can get some bags filled for these kids. Uh, Part of what it tells us in the Bible is to give of our, our extra things that we have. And also the other thing is we can give of our hands and our feet. And I think that's uh, as much important as the money sometimes. So keep that in mind. When we get more uh, details, we'll, we'll get it off to everybody and we'll get over there and we'll make a big splash in this program and, and get those bags filled. So a lot of other meetings and important information in the bulletin. Please check those out. So... Uh, if you would, please stand with me for the reading of the call to worship. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world, and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully, they will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your hearts to the gates and lift them out of the of glory. Who is the King of glory? Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of us. He is the King of glory. I will continue to stand and sing hymn number eight, Praise to the Lord Almighty.
Now we'd ask the children to come forward, and as they do, we would ask that you greet your neighbors. Good morning. You guys are a little tired this morning, huh? Me too. That's okay. So how many of you have ever been given a special job? Maybe by your teacher or by your parents? What was the special job that you were given? To read? Weeds, pull weeds. That's a special job. <laughs> what else? Maybe did any, has anybody been a line leader at school? Yeah, that's a pretty special job. Or turning off the lights in the classroom, that was always my favorite. Um, so uh, being asked to do something makes us feel kind of special, doesn't it? We're the only person that gets to do that, right? Well, when I was your age, um, well, actually, I have some dominoes up here. Um, how many of you have played with dominoes? Me. Yeah? Do you guys actually know how to play domino games? Yeah? Well, when I was your age, I didn't know how to. So I would just line them up and then just knock them all down just for fun. Um, so, but when you play dominoes my way when I was your age, the first domino was always the most special domino, right? It had the very special job of knocking all the other ones down, right? Um, so we're a lot like this domino when it comes to our faith in Jesus, right? So let's find out how. It says in Luke 24, 46 through 48, Jesus was talking to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. The disciples still didn't quite understand the resurrection. And even though they could see him and they were talking to him, they thought he might be a ghost. They were even a little bit scared. He said, why are you afraid? Why do you have doubts in your mind? Jesus asked them, look at my hands and my feet. Touch me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I do. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They thought he might, oh, they gave him a piece of fish and he took it and ate it and proved to them that he was not a ghost after all. Jesus helped the disciples to understand the scriptures. He explained to them, the scriptures say that the Messiah must suffer and then three days later he will rise again from the grave. They also say that all people of every nation must be told in my name to turn to God in order to be forgiven of their sins. You are the first to hear this and to see it. You are the witness, and you must tell everything that has happened to everyone. So Jesus told the disciples that they had a very special job, and their special job was to go and tell everybody that they knew how much Jesus loved them, that he died on the cross for them, that he rose from the grave for them, and he died for them sins because he loves them so, so much. So they had a pretty special job, right? They were the first ones to see him, and they got that job directly from Jesus. Can you imagine how cool that would be if Jesus came to you and told you to do that? Um, So back to our dominoes. So we're kind of like this first domino. It has a special job, right? Um, And sometimes... Telling people about Jesus can be scary, right? Even I get scared when I have to tell people about Jesus because it's a big deal. And I bet if you asked anybody out in the congregation, if they're a little afraid when they have to tell people about Jesus, they get a little scared too. But that's okay. If we get scared, we can always go to God and we can ask for the courage and the strength to tell people about Jesus and what he did for them on the cross. And then when we start telling people, we become like this domino and it just kind of does that. So we tell one person, and then maybe they go tell someone else, and then they tell someone else and someone else. And sooner or later, they're telling everybody, and a lot of people know about Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, but it all starts with you guys. It starts with us. As we uh, read the Bible and read the scriptures, we are the witnesses that have to go and tell people about Jesus Christ, okay? So this week, I want you guys to tell one person about Jesus. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Tell them that Jesus died for them. Just pick one person, maybe at school or at home. You can even tell your parents. Everybody needs to be reminded that Jesus loves them, right? Um, But that's your job this week. Your very special job this week is to tell someone that Jesus loves loves them. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for uh, dying and for rising again for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would have the strength and the courage this week to tell one person about you, Lord. And I pray that you would just put that person on our hearts um, and that you would give us the courage and the strength to do that. We love you so much, and we thank you for this time together. Amen.
Thanks, Tori, for that special message for the children. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful uh, for this day that we can gather together as your people, as your body, and worship you together. I pray that as we uh, lift up uh, our songs of praise and worship, as we hear your word read and preached, and now as we, as we pray together, Lord, um, that you would be honored and glorified through all that we do, and that you would hear our prayer now as we lift up those in our church and our community who are in need. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would meet their needs, whatever it may be, for those who are in need of healing, we pray for your healing touch to be there. We pray for wisdom for doctors and the best course of treatment. And we thank you, Lord, that, that uh, for the miracle of modern medicine um, that, that in so many ways um, helps in that healing process. We pray also, Lord, for those who are in need of, of provision and, and have financial issues. We pray that you would meet them as well and that, Lord, we understand and know that you are a God who provides. Uh, often in ways that we are not aware of or can't see for ourselves. So we thank you for that as well. And Lord, we also pray for those in our, in our church and our community who are dealing with uh, relationship issues. Um, Lord, um, that, the conflict that may be there in our lives. Lord, uh, you are a God of reconciliation. And you desire that we are, are reconciled not only to you, but to each other. And so I pray that you would work in those situations as well and bring healing that's needed um, emotionally, Lord, and bring a, a resolution to the conflict. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are, you are here and you hear us uh, as, uh, as we celebrate this day, the day of you, that we remember your ascension uh, to be, Lord Jesus, to be back at the side of your Father um, in heaven. Uh, you are there even now interceding for us and praying for us on our behalf. And we are so grateful that we have, have that mediator, um, the one and only Son of, Christ, Son of the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This time I would invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Our offering today goes to support Carl Whitlatch and the Young Life Ministry in New York. And the choir will be blessing us with the song, Behold the King of Glory.
stay standing and hear the scripture today, which comes from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 45 through 49. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thank you, Adam. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to to worship you together. And I pray now that as we look at your word um, and, and discuss it together, you would give us insight by your spirit. Give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. So one of my uh, one of my favorite shows I used to watch. I know it's not on. Uh, they're make, not making new episodes anymore. But one of my favorite shows was MythBusters. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Is on the Discovery Channel. And I remember one episode in particular. Uh, they were trying to test the myth whether whether a person could walk in a straight line from point A to point B blindfolded without the aid of their sight. And so to test this myth, they went out in this giant open field and, and, and point A and point B were hundreds of yards apart. So there was a lot of room for error here. And so uh, they had these, these camera shots and they even had like these drones above to see the visual from above. And they blindfolded them and they, they took turns trying to go from point A to point B um, with nothing without being able to rely on their their vision. And so as they were going, as they were walking across this field, they may have started off well, they may have stayed on track for, for a little while, but eventually, every time they did this, they would end up wandering significantly off course. And it was actually pretty amazing to see. They would be doing circles sometimes. There were these random patterns, and sometimes they ended up further away from the finish line than when they started. And it just goes to show, it was just... It was just really amazing to see how much we rely on our sight as we are walking. And it may seem obvious, right? We take that for granted. But, but take, take your vision away, and it's, and it's almost impossible to get from point A to point B on a straight line. Um, I found that as we're talking today about uh, mission and purpose, uh, I think the same is true for our lives. If we try to get from point A to point B in our lives, if we try to go through this life without having a, a focus, without having our sight set on, on the goal, without having our eyes focused on the finish line, we're going to find ourselves wandering pretty easily. We're going to find ourselves wandering off course, whether we realize it or not. And the reason is because we can't see where we're going. We don't have that purpose. We don't have that vision. We don't have that mission to keep us on a straight line. And so as we talk today about, about going from this sense of meaninglessness in our lives to mission as a result of Christ's death and resurrection, it's like that blindfold is being taken off and that we can finally, you know, we can walk from point A to point B without losing course. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, the opening verses there, the author, most likely Solomon, writes these words, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. You see, Solomon had all the wealth, wisdom, and power that anyone could possibly ask for. He sought happiness and purpose and earthly pleasures. But in the end, he could not find contentment or true joy. He tried everything under the sun to fill that void that he knew was within himself. But yet everything he tried just led him nowhere. It was meaningless. It was vanity. It was chasing after the wind. And so he goes through the course of Ecclesiastes. He talks about all the different purposes that he pursued, all the different uh, ways that he tried to find contentment and happiness in this life, and everything just failed. Everything fell short. And finally, at the conclusion of the book, at the very end, he, he comes to this uh, realization that the only place to find meaning in this life is in our relationship with the Lord. He says that we need to remember him that while we are still young and to follow him faithfully. Anything else in this life is going to end in disappointment if we try to put our hope and try to find our meaning and purpose in it. Everything else will fall short. Only a relationship with the Lord, only finding our purpose and our mission in him is going to ultimately satisfy us. And so Jesus' death and resurrection 
is the turning point. We've been talking about the, the impact that, that his death and his resurrection has had on our lives. And what his resurrection does is it confirms the promise that Scripture and Jesus himself made about the Messiah, that the Messiah must suffer and die, but not only that, be raised again. And so, so that confirmation, Jesus appearing to his disciples and many others to confirm that he was once again alive, is the confirmation of that promise. And in so doing it, it gives us hope and gives us uh, a reason to believe his other promises as well. And we can just see, if we want to see evidence of the impact that it, that it should have on our lives, all we have to do is look at the disciples themselves and the witness that Scripture gives about them. You see, when Jesus was first arrested and tried and crucified, how did his disciples react? They scattered. Right? They were gone. Every last one of them fled the scene. Peter denied the Lord three times. And so we see this this, this moving away, they were filled with, with fear and doubt. But yet after, after they witnessed Jesus' resurrection, after they witnessed him alive again, they were bold. They were unafraid. They were willing to give their lives even for the sake of the gospel. You see, there's only one thing that can cha- make that big of a change in someone's life, and that's, that's experiencing and knowing there isn't Christ. That's having witnessed Jesus alive again and seeing the impact that that has for us. They went from meaningless to mission. They went from being scattered and afraid to being bold and, and unafraid to witness for the Lord. And the reason is because they were, they were witnesses of the resurrection. They were able to see Jesus alive and well and, and understand the meaning that that had for them. And so Jesus, before he went back to be with the Father, before he ascended once again into heaven, he gives this final command to his disciples. And it's a parallel to, to some maybe more famous passages we find, say, in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission, right? Go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to, to obey the commands that I have left for you. See, that, that's, that's the one that gets more of the attention. Uh, but in every one of the Gospels, there's this commission, there's this command to go and to share, uh, share the Gospel with the world. And that's what we have here in Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 45 through 49. In essence, what Jesus is doing is he's asking his disciples to continue the mission in the world that Jesus himself completed on the cross. Right, Jesus' goal in his, in his life was to, to die for our sins. Right, The cross wasn't some accident. Right, It wasn't unforeseen. It was the entire reason Jesus came, to take our sin upon his shoulders, to die for us so that we could be forgiven. And he was raised to life as confirmation of that, as, as the first fruits of the resurrection. And so he calls us now to then carry out that mission in the world, to be his witnesses, to be his spokespeople, to be his ambassadors, to the world, to help others to see the impact that Christ should have on their lives, just like we ourselves have experienced. And so as we've talked through this series since Easter, the first four weeks uh, dealt with, we talked about things like grace and love and humility and forgiveness. And those all dealt with how Jesus' death and his resurrection transforms our relationship with God and others. It impacts how we see God and how we see our relationship with other people. But today, the, when we talk about mission, we're going to examine how the reality of his death and resurrection, it gives our lives meaning and purpose. It helps us to take that blindfold off and see where we're going and see the direction that God wants us to go in our lives. It gives us meaning and purpose. And so let's take a look at this passage today that we already heard read for us from Luke chapter 24. There's, there's three things that I see uh, from this passage that help us to understand our mission. First of all, our mission flows out of our relationship with Christ. It says here that Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written about the Messiah, that the Messiah will suffer and, raise, and rise from the dead on the third day. You see, they found their purpose, they found their mission only after they themselves had experienced the risen Christ. This is actually the third uh, resurrection uh, story, resurrection account uh, in the Gospel of Luke. First, you have the description of the empty tomb, 
where the, the first disciples see, go there and they see that, that the tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer there. Um, then there's the, the account of the road to Emmaus where Jesus himself appears to, to two of the disciples as they travel along the road and, and he helps them to understand that, that Jesus' death and his resurrection was foretold in scripture and help them to come to that understanding themselves. And so after the road to Emmaus, after the disciples realized that they had encountered Jesus, they go back and, and share that experience with the other disciples. And they, they share what had happened. And it's, it's after that experience that Jesus again appears to the disciples in the upper room. And, and, and as we heard from Tori in, in the children's chat, he, he shared a meal with them. He invited them to, to realize that he is flesh and bones and not just a spirit or ghost or something like that. But they were able to experience for themselves the risen Christ. And that's what made the difference. They were able to see that he truly was alive and that, that was a, helped them to understand the, the significance of this moment. And not only did they, did they encounter him and meet him, but then Jesus himself opened their minds so they could understand. See, as their knowledge of the scriptures grew, as they began to understand the meaning of what had happened, their sense of purpose and mission grew as well. As they were able to understand from Scripture what Jesus had done for them, as they were able to understand that his death wasn't an accident, but was God's purpose in this world in order to reconcile the world and lost sinners to himself, they realized that their mission then grew out of that, grew out of their relationship with him. You, think, you see, I think we're more willing to serve people. We're more willing to, to um, do something for someone when it's someone we care about and love. Right? I'm more, I'm more apt, more willing to, to go out of my way to help Allie because she's my wife than maybe some other person. You know, we have that connection and so it's more natural, it's more, more, um, normal for me to, to go out of my way to help and to serve her because we have that relationship and that, that love and that trust is built. I believe in the same way as we grow in our relationship with Christ, as our love for Him grows, as we experience Him more and more in our lives, as we mature in our relationship with him, our willingness to serve him will then grow as well. And so our, our sense of mission, our sense of purpose grows out of our relationship with him. Ephesians 1, uh, 21 through 33. This passage, uh, several weeks ago, I closed my sermon as uh, using that passage as a prayer for us as a church um, and asking God to fulfill that prayer for us. And I think uh, this continues to... Uh, that passage continues to impact uh, our lives and, and, and especially the sense of purpose and growing in our relationship with him. Ephesians 1, 21 through 33 talks about how the, the prayer there is that we would grow in wisdom and knowledge of the Lord, that our hearts may be enlightened, that, that we would know the hope to which we have been called. You see, as we, as we understand those things more, as we grow in our knowledge of Him, as God softens our hearts to be more receptive to Him, as we truly understand the hope that He's called us to, not just for this life, but the next one as well, we'll have a greater appreciation and love for Christ, but also a greater sense of His mission and what He's asking us to do. And so our, our mission grows out of our relationship with Christ but our mission is also, so, so our mission then is to share the gospel. Jesus here says that, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. See, repentance and forgiveness is the central message of our faith. That Christ died and rose again to remove the penalty of our sin. He took on our sin and we received his righteousness in return. What a great exchange that was, right? We, our sin, the penalty of our sin has been removed. We are no longer guilty in the eyes of God. Instead, we have received his righteousness. Jesus, the only one who lived a perfect life, the only one who could say they earned God's love, now gives us that in return, free of cost, free of charge. What a great exchange that that is. And that's the central message of the gospel, that in order to receive it, all we need to do is repent, turn from our sin, and turn towards Christ. And in doing so, we'll have the forgiveness of sins. We see that, the, as I mentioned, the, the death and resurrection of Christ is central to the message of the gospel. That is the gospel, what Christ has done for us. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul, Paul describes the, the gospel in those terms. He says, now, brothers and sisters, beginning in verse 1, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. In other words, Paul's saying this is what is the most important thing. This is the this is the gospel on which we are saved. If this is not true, then nothing else matters. He goes on for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. See, for Paul the and for the, the testimony of Scripture is that the death and resurrection of Christ is central to the message of the gospel. That it's through his death and resurrection that our forgiveness is possible, that we can repent. I, we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. But now what Jesus is asking us to do is to then take that, not just for ourselves, but to share that good news with others. Not just to hoard the love of God for ourselves, but to allow that to overflow and share that with others. You see, if we truly understood that, if we truly understood the gospel and the importance of it, we wouldn't just keep it to ourselves, but we would want to then extend that and share that good news with everyone we meet, with family, with friends, with coworkers, with neighbors. We'd want them to experience that same forgiveness, that same love that we ourselves have received. Jesus' death and resurrection, you see, it's the linchpin that holds our faith together. And so... That's why I think it's so important that we keep that as a central message. We should major on the majors and minor on the minors when it comes to, to aspects of faith. We need to keep the gospel, keep Christ's death and resurrection and repentance and the forgiveness of sins as the central message of what we preach and what we share with others. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned, um, I, I, I shared, a, I, was, I was speaking with someone after church uh, recently and they, they just told me how much they appreciated that, that we, that we focus on God's word during, during the sermons. That, that it's not necessarily about my opinions, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to, trying to take scripture and apply it to our lives. You know, I do believe that there's a whole, there's a lot of more, there's better things that we could be doing on Sunday morning than getting up if all you're doing is just hearing me share my opinions. Right? There's a whole lot of other things we could be doing. But instead we gather in order to hear God's word and hear the gospel preached. And to hear and be encouraged by the truth of, of Christ's death and resurrection and the forgiveness that we have in him. And so the gospel is the is our central mission is to share the gospel and we're supposed to do it in his name. We do it with his divine authority. We've been given a message message to share with the world on his behalf. In essence, we're messengers of the king. We're heralds of this this gospel that he's given to us. And so our goal then, our purpose is to share that with others as representatives of Christ. In Romans chapter 10, Paul talks about the significance of this. Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, our purpose as Christians, every one of us, not just me, not just Tory, not just missionaries, but for all of us, is to preach the gospel. To preach Christ and Him crucified and to share that with everyone we meet. That's the goal, that's the purpose that Christ has given us in our lives. He says that we're supposed to be witnesses. And I think there's a difference between witnesses and experts. I've, in, um, I've watched enough law and order to sort of be an expert on this sort of thing. Um, but in a, case, in a court case, right, there's a difference between witnesses and experts. Experts are people who have a specialty in a certain area. 
And while they may not have been involved in the case in question, they are called on to testify based on their expertise. They have a a special knowledge about a given situation. And so they are called on to bear, not necessarily bear witness, but they are called on to give their expertise given that situation. A witness, on the other hand, is someone who has seen or heard or experienced something, and they're called on simply to share out of that knowledge. So Jesus says here that we are called to be witnesses, not experts. See, not all of us can be experts. You don't need a seminary degree to go out and share the gospel with people. All you need to do is be a witness, to share what Christ has done in your life, to share the impact that his death and resurrection has had on you. To be able to point out to people, say, this is, this is the difference that Christ has made in my life. That's what a witness does. And that's what we're all called to be. We're called to be witnesses, not experts. We don't need years of experience. We don't need degrees in order to share Christ. All we need to do is be witnesses, to simply share what he has done for us. And our mission then is spirit-empowered as well. Jesus does not live, leave us to fulfill this mission on our own. He gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to share the gospel. He says here that he will we are to wait on what the Father has promised. And what the Father has promised is the gift of His Holy Spirit. He talks about that in Joel chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 31. This idea that one day God's people will, will have the Spirit of God Himself living and residing within us. That we will no longer have to worry about what's written externally in God's law, but God's law will be written on our hearts. And so we will be able to know and understand what God's will is for us. And that day has ultimately come at Pentecost when the disciples were gathered in the upper room and God's Spirit was poured out on them. And it was the Spirit that then enabled them, empowered them to go forth and preach the gospel. You see, we may feel inadequate, and rightly so, but the Holy Spirit will strengthen us, encourage us, and help us to share the gospel. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I think we need to pray that God would give us the right words to say and trust in the moment that He is leading you. It doesn't mean that we should just wing it in the moment. I believe that the Holy Spirit works just as much in the preparation as He does in the moment that we are having a conversation or in the moment that I'm up here preaching a message to you. I think it's important that we should should think through what we would say to a coworker or a family member or a friend when that time comes so that we'll have somewhere to start. We'll have something to build off of. I've told when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my my teens, my students that that you need to think through situations before you find yourself in one or else you won't know how to respond. Both negatively and positively. And so it's important for us to think through, how would I share the gospel with somebody? How would I tell someone about the impact that Christ has made on my life? I would encourage my youth group in Huntington to write out their testimony, just like a one, like one paragraph, one page kind of thing, so that when the time came, they wouldn't have a piece of paper to pull out necessarily, but they would have thought through how they would explain the impact that Christ has had on their lives. I think that's important for us all to do, to take the time to think those things through. You see, there's a time to wait for God and a time to work for God. When we take the time with the Lord, when we build and invest in our relationship with Him, that time is not wasted. It prepares us to live out His mission in the world. But there's something, I think, that that keeps us from really living out that mission. If our mission is to share the gospel, if our mission is to to do that out of our relationship with Christ and to be empowered by the Spirit, um, there's sometimes things that get in the way of that. We could be filled with doubt or fear or anxiety, feelings of inadequacy. That there, there may be a lot of things that distract us. There may be things that get in the way of us fulfilling that mission. And I believe it can be summed up in this idea of, of distractions. We are very easily distracted people. And in order to live out his mission, our focus needs to be on Christ. And anything that takes our eyes off of him, whether it is some sort of internal struggle in our heart or mind, or whether it's some external factors at home, work, or even here in church. Those things are distractions. And you see, we can't always control what happens to us. right? We can't. In fact, so much of what happens to us in life is out of our control. It's beyond our realm of, of, of controlling. 
So we can't always control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. We often make mountains out of molehills and allow ourselves to be distracted more than is really necessary. Distractions can be opportunities instead to display God's power and grace. To stay focused on the mission in spite of distractions that would otherwise defeat us. I think we're so easily distracted. We, we make things out to be a bigger deal than, we really, than they really are because we allow those things to take our eyes off of Christ. If our goal in life, if our mission is to stay focused on Him, then we allow those, and we allow things outside of our control, outside of us, or even inside of us, to distract us, we're not living out, not able to live out the mission that He has called us to do. Instead, we need to keep our eyes focused on Him. Hebrews chapter 12 encourages us to do that. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In order to not grow weary and lose heart, we need to keep our eyes focused on Christ. And that's a decision that we can make for ourselves with the power of the Spirit. With God's Spirit guiding us and helping us, we can decide to keep our eyes focused on Christ, no matter what life throws our way, no matter what distractions may rise, we can keep our eyes focused on Christ if we choose to. And so I encourage you, as you live out your mission, Christ's mission in your life, as you try to serve Him by sharing the good news with others, Keep your eyes focused on him no matter what comes, and he will help you to do that. One of the ways that we can stay focused on Christ and the mission he gave us is by sharing in the Lord's Supper, which is what we're going to do in just a moment. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that as we share in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, the, the, the bread and the juice are reminders for ourselves of what Christ has done for us. But not only is it a reminder for us, but it strengthens us as we go from this place and encourages us so that as we go from here, we can then share that good news with others. Because that's the mission, that's the purpose that Christ has given all of us. It's not just for pastors, it's for all of us. And so help us, Lord, to do that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the encouragement that you give us through your body and blood. And, and the encouragement that we can get from each other as well. I pray that you would help us to stay focused on you, that, that the mission of sharing your good news, of sharing your gospel with every person, uh, Lord, would be completed in us, that you would work through us to share the good news of forgiveness with everyone we meet. And I pray that you would help us to put aside any distractions and focus on you. In Christ we pray. Amen. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I encourage you to stand and join us in singing number 394, In My Life, Lord, Be Glorified.
Amen. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, as we prepare our hearts and our minds uh, to receive uh, the Lord's Supper this day, I pray that you would help us to put aside any distractions, that our eyes and of, our, of our heart and our minds be focused on you today. Uh, as we remember the sacrifice that you made on our behalf, Lord, we come to you in repentance. We want to turn away from those things that keep us from you, those things that we've said and thought and done, and those things that we've left undone, Lord, that, that do not bring glory and honor to you. And so, Lord, we, we confess that we have fallen short of your glory. We confess that every one of us is in need of your grace and your love and your mercy. And pray, Lord, that you would help us to know and experience and be assured of the love that you have for us today. I pray that we would be able to turn away from our sin and turn towards you. And so as we prepare our hearts, I pray that we would take a moment, Lord, and in silence confess our sin to you. For we have these great promises in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Paul wrote, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that in the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, I encourage you to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you and for me. Feed on him now in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is shed for you and for me, a new covenant made in his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Father, we are so grateful that you sent your son to this world to die on the cross for us, that his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, is what ensures us our salvation. And so we are grateful for that and pray now that you would strengthen us to, to live out our lives for you, to live out the mission and purpose that you've given to each one of us. We do so, Lord, out of our relationship with you and empowered by your spirit. We are so grateful for that. In Christ we pray. Amen. Now let's stand and in closing sing the first verse of number 372, Living for Jesus.
I leave you once again with these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen.